Roll for initiative. Welcome to On a Roll, the podcast that helps you level up your RPG. <laughs> what was that? Why was that music played? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, what are we here to talk about, Jason? LARP mush and everything in between. Wow. RP tabletop, LARP mush and everything in Impressive. between. Impressive. I know. I we don't even have notes. <laughs> your line's next, Carrie. No, he stole my line. No, I say LARP mush. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> We're not better gamers than you. Oh, yeah, we're not better gamers than you. We just all have different experiences to share. And so maybe we can help you have uh, more fun at your game and make it more better. Because the only way to have more better at your game is to have fun. Have fun. (laughs) I think there's fun. This is why we use scripts. Yes. This is why we use scripts. Show notes are awesome. They are. They're a good thing. Anyway, we are uh, recording live today at Canuga in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We have a live studio audience. (laughs) It's massive. All our fans are here. Yeah. Uh, All three of them. I am Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie the legend. It's me. And Jason, the favorite. Also the one with the velvetiest jacket. It is. It is a very velvety jacket. Anyone's allowed to come up and touch my jacket at any point. I don't care. Uh, As long as they don't bump the microphone. (laughs) Bump it. Bump it. No! (laughs) Um, So, uh, what's new with you all? When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were at not this table, but at a different table. No, we're at a new table. This is a much smaller table. So, anything new with you all? No. Okay. Carrie, uh, your Twitch, how's it doing? It's... Twitching. Saving. That's yeah, all we ever saving. I know. I feel like that's all I ever talk about anymore. <laughs> well, that's your big I'm making, thing. I'm now. making art. Yes. You are making art. It's mm-hmm. good stuff. It's super cool. We have a bunch of new dinosaurs for the mm-hmm. gumbel. Right. Okay. So that's awesome. The Thank Octosaurus you. is so cool. I'm very. I'm very excited. I've seen the Octosaurus. Well, the Octosaurus is uh, the one that I drew, and then I was told that's not what they wanted. <laughs> and I wanted so, it. I want to see it. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. I, I will. Well, and then I was very disappointed because it was the favorite one I did. And then they made a new care. They made a new creature type for it because it was awesome. It, it was, was awesome. awesome. And yeah. so, okay. but originally, what we had asked for was an arachnosaur, which is supposed to be like right. a spider dinosaur. Yes. And and the concept that she came up with was more like a. It was an eight-legged brontosaurus, brontosaurus kind of. And right. so it, it fit when we said, "Hey, do an arachnosaur," but it wasn't actually spidery enough for what we what They're we so wanted. So demanding. Yeah, spider dinosaur. That's going to be tricky. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I've not done it yet. That's but we liked reason. it so much, we, we kept it anyway and just renamed it. We called it an octosaurus because it's got eight legs. <laughs> and it's got spider eyes. It's got like... And it's got these tusks. Eyes. The tusks are really cool. Okay. Maybe right. like an ankylosaur. An ankylosaur? Make it like an ankylosaur? Yeah. Yeah. The, for the spider dinosaur, make it like an ankylosaur for the body. And then you've got the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll do that. There we go. So This thing's uh, getting creepier. Right? <laughs> um, so real quick, we're just going to do a quick rundown of our, our patrons on Patreon. If you like the show and you want to get free stuff and stuff, you can support us at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, we're actually joined today by Drew Stevens. So he's going to come up to the microphone oh. and say hello. Come say hi. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do Drew. it. Hi. What's your, wait, wait, come here, Drew, come here, what's your, what's your favorite game? Off the top of your head, oh, quick, no. first thing oh, you no. think of. Don't say Tetris, because we mean tabletop role playing game. Probably Exalted. Exalted, Exalted. Exalted. Right. that's a great answer. All right, there do we you, go. Do you have the new, the new book? Oh, yes. Have you read it yet? 
Yes. <laughs> it's it's ten thousand pages. You're full of shit. <laughs> ten thousand pages. It's really close. It's a big book. The index is a hundred pages long. Right. <laughs> Okay, I haven't conduct, convinced it to memory. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> We've also got Noah Coltrip. Noah Coltrip. Yeah. And uh, your favorite, Ryan Cameron. Oh, uh, Ryan Martin and Cameron Pruitt. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan uh, just sent us a Facebook message, though, saying that his house did not eat him. Well, yes, that's good. he did. So he did we, post we it. Just that was a real concern to, we had. We were concerned because we hadn't heard from him for a while. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Who else? She who will not be named. Oh That's yeah, right. Lady McMaster McFlavorless. I like that. Oh yeah, yeah. She yeah. does have that giant clock. That's true, right? That, yeah. I think that's everybody. I hope that's everybody. If we I forgot, we don't you, have our notes. We don't have show notes because there's no internet here. That's so, right. Uh, if we'll say your name twice next week, if <laughs> if we missed you, <laughs> I'll so. well, Ryan will compose a song for you. I will. Oh right. yeah. No. Well, it's no. usually you can pay for it. Yeah, like but we're cheap. <laughs> we're not paying for this it. This is a podcast, not a you know a company. Yeah, <laughs> just be, I feel like just being on this podcast, I'm paying for it. I'm sorry. Is this the paranormal panel? No, it is no. not. But we could talk about paranormal stuff, like how it's spooky that we've got I'm sorry. four people. You're fine. <laughs> I, I guarantee we're you. In this oh, is this 18. is 18. We're in 18. There, yeah, 19 is going to be either that way or this. I think it's that way. Okay, well, I apologize. Yeah, yes, we're recording. We're recording. We're it's super fine. awesome. Yeah. This is what our <laughs> podcast always sounds like. Yeah. And, well, this is what it sounds like before we edit it. <laughs> so we record for three hours, and we turn it into a 45-minute episode. No, it's, it's about an hour. So anyway, um, so I guess that's it. So let's go ahead and, and talk about gaming for a little bit, because that's kind of the point of why we're here. So we're, we're going to do combat rounds? Yeah. Combat so, rounds? So okay, hold on. That's our music edit, transition. Edit. Oh. oh. Everyone in the room just tried to throw, uh, throw paper, rock, scissor chops with yeah. us for, for LARP, because it was combat rounds. So Nice. Okay. Welcome to combat rounds. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, no! <laughs> for for folks in the room who've never listened to us before, uh, the reason that we do this podcast is because about... We're lonely. We're lonely. And about, about four years ago, uh, I was asked... Well, about five years ago, I was asked to do a, a little panel discussion, lead a little workshop on how to be a better storyteller at a... Uh, very large national game for a LARP organization. Wow, the attendance must have been huge. Well, a bunch of storytellers said, hey, come come do a storytelling 101 to help all the new, new storytellers become better. And so I said, great. And I stayed up all night making notes. And then I showed up for the meeting uh, at the scheduled time and nobody was there. <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what in the world just happened? And so later... In the evening, uh, when we had a regular storyteller meeting, I asked, I said, hey, everybody, where were you this morning? And uh, you said that this would be a great idea. And they all said, uh, oh, well, yeah, it's a great idea. But I, I meant for, for them, for everyone else. Yeah. I'm, I'm perfect. Yeah, no, and like, really, they it all believe that. Right. And so I realized there is an ego barrier in, in storytelling where we all think our games are are. You know, nobody can run our game better than than us, and there is an element of truth to that. But um, it also keeps us from being better and from learning, right? And I'm in a, a communications for a living. That's what I do. That's my day job. And we go to communications conferences all the time, where our peers uh, they speak, you know, and, and not because they're better at communicating, but because they've had different experiences. 
and and you can learn from them. Maybe they dealt with a crisis. You know, there was a fire, and they had to handle that with public statements. And, and I've never dealt with fire. I've not had a fire, right? And so you learn from it. And it's not that they're better; it's just different. And so I realized that that's the case with gaming. Like we don't have that. We're, we don't share our experiences with one another to be better gamers. And so I wrote a book to try and uh, share my experiences. Um, I, I have this weird unique situation where like I've lived from Los Angeles to Chicago to Chattanooga and so I've had a lot of different gaming groups and a lot of storytellers don't have that they'll play with the same eight people their whole lives and that doesn't give you a lot of a lot of experience as far as like dealing with unique and different situations and things and so I've got this unique perspective and so I put it in a book and uh um, and now we and have a book. And now it's now a, podcast. a podcast. So that's kind of <laughs> the story of... Uh, I will say it's fascinating because, like, moving from... Like, I played in what is now the MES for a while, back when it was the CAM. And then I started playing with y'all, which you use... Your TGN was a... The Gru Nation was an Obi-Wan, or One World by Night offshoot. Right. And there was so many rules interpretations that were just different. Right. And yeah. that nobody in either group ever considered the fact that people might be doing it differently. Or wrong. Or wrong. Or yeah. right. Or maybe it's better. Right. Yeah. But you'll never know because you only encounter the people within your group. Exactly. And these groups strangely are uh, insular. So yeah. you don't get experiences outside of them. So so that's kind of how we ended up here uh, in front of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> 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 anyway, we don't really have a topic today. So instead, we're going to kind of just ask all of you, like, what would you, this is sort of a ask well, us it, whatever yeah, you like. Yeah, it's an AMA about gaming. Right. Ask me anything about stuff that's not super personal. Yeah. I'll so we're going to start with Brandon later. because he's not paying attention. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Hello. Hi, Brandon. Ask us a question about gaming. Okay, what's the question? Ask us a question <laughs> about gaming. The question is, would you like to ask us a question? <laughs> All right, let's see. So the funny thing about Brandon is that Brandon joined our gaming group because he came to a panel at this convention like two years ago that nobody else came to. <laughs> it was just Brandon, and we were like, well, why well, don't you come game with us? We were, we were like one of us, one of, and he just never left. And he was wearing the same cape he's wearing today. <laughs> Yay! No, but seriously, does anybody have any questions? Oh, do you, oh, you have one? one? Yeah, you guys recently asked me to like a uh, the gun belt page. What's that all about? What is the gun belt? What is the gun belt all about? Ryan, <sighs> what is it all about? You know, we all have a game inside of us. I believe that. And yeah. we all talk about that game we always, you know, would like to create or run. And so I've decided that that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to create and run my own game. And so it's called the gun belt. And it is... Yeah. Yay! <laughs> so it's a, a tabletop role-playing game that is about <coughs> it's about aliens and uh, al- aliens and robot cowboys who ride dinosaurs in a wild west, you know, world. And it's it's yeah, it's super neat and cool. Um, and hopefully it'll kickstart sometime like late late summer is what we're looking for. And, and you're getting really close. I've seen its character are. arts coming out really yeah. fast. And I've got cool postcards of a Herodon for anyone who would like to, to take one of those. All, all of the critters in the universe are a combination of a dinosaur and some kind of modern-day animal. Right. Some Wild and West so, creature. Yeah, like Wild Westy, monstery kind of stuff yeah. going on. Yeah, that's cool. Did that answer your question? Yeah, he's, he's not saying He's not even paying attention now. Wow. 
hurts. So you look like you have a question. Do you have a <laughs> statement? So you have uh, you were at the panel last night, and you have your what daughter. What is your name? My name's Stuart. Hi, Stuart. Okay, Stuart. And I have a young teenage daughter. Oh, hi, young teenage daughter. She <laughs> just turned 14 years old. Okay. And um, I'm just trying to find the path for her, just to where to get in, how to connect in in a, in a safe, healthy, meaningful way. Yeah. To become a gainer, a gamer, and, you know, enjoy right. the full life experience. Do you game? No. Okay. I'm familiar with it. So, in the 90s, when I was in college... There was a group of friends that gamed, but they were so elite and exclusive, they wouldn't let anyone in. Oh, that's, right. a, that's a serious this problem. This was before the internet, so this was before 93, and I just didn't have an opportunity. Sure. She's playing Dungeons & Dragons currently, right? Yeah. We're talking about you. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not talking to you. Right. I know what it's like to be a kid. <laughs> I think the... Does she have a group currently at all? Okay, are they uh, are they like high school or you know friends from school? Are they? Uh, no, I just met them at a middle. That was kind of fun. That's, That's awesome. Cool. So you play, okay. so That's you're playing online. We couldn't have done when we were kids. Oh. Yeah, and it's so amazing that people can now. <laughs> right. So are you using? You said you're using Skype. Yes. Okay. Have you ever heard of Roll Twenty? No. Okay. If you're playing online, you might want to look into there's there's a website called Roll Twenty. And it is basically, uh, it's Skype, but it's meant for playing role-playing games over. And so you, it actually will allow you to put dungeon maps up, and uh, it's, got, it's got dice built into the software and things. And that could be that could be something that, that you might find really useful for your group. It's you pretty cool. stream it on Twitch and get super famous. Right, well, and make that. millions of dollars. <laughs> so, what was the first book you read? Uh, the first book I read was actually The Player's Guide God. Okay, All right. okay. The player's handbook. Yeah. So, if you were gonna recommend to a new player, like read this, read that, do this, try that, what would be the initial steps to get going strong? Well, I think obviously with Dungeons and Dragons, it start with the player's handbook, and then you would read the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, the the handy thing about Dungeons and Dragons is that there aren't that many books right now. I mean, about three books. No, well, I mean, there's three that you need. One that you have to have if you're going to be a player. Right. Player's handbook. Um, but there's only maybe nine. Maybe maybe 10 books for Dungeons & Dragons. So there's not a ton of material to have to parse through, and that's that's handy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Monster's Guide and then Dungeon Master. Right. Yep, that's and the three you need if you're going to run games, yeah. for sure. But yeah, but you don't but, even need the Monster's Guide if you're not going to be running. Right. right. And now, on a roll. <laughs> well, Ryan's book, yeah, it's always good. To enhance the overall. Sure, yeah. yeah. So there's uh, the other thing that you can do is there is uh, are you, there's a company called Drive Through RPG, uh, and it's drivethroughrpg.net or dot com. I'm sorry, drivethroughrpg.com, and basically there is this cool thing there called the Dungeon Masters Guild, where uh, people like us, anyone, write, we you can write your own dungeons and your own adventures and and put them up yeah and so you can download D, you know D adventures as pdfs uh for relatively inexpensive yeah like um, a lot of them are pay what you want right so yeah a lot of them are pay what you want yeah. yeah yeah so that's so that's a handy resource if if you know from a creative standpoint if you enjoy running modules as opposed to coming up with your own stuff right so I think the important thing, the most important piece to, to becoming a good gamer, though, is to always be open and wanting to learn to do it better. 
because uh, that's the the ego problem that we encounter is that uh, especially as dungeon masters is that we get in these we close ourselves in these little boxes of you know I, I'm I'm the the master of the group and so no one can help me be better um, and but being at panels like this uh, or the one that you guys were at last night like I mean just being at those panels will will help and make you better. So as an adult, if I wanted to start and get involved, because I'm a busy person, right? What what's the uh, time commitment on a weekly or monthly basis to have a good experience? I know it, get, it grows in size, probably. Four to six hours a week. Are you gonna play yeah. or are you gonna run? Right. Play. Drew just asked if you were gonna play or run. Yeah. If you're gonna play, it's less. Um, I know. I know some people who the only time they put into it is the actual hours at the table playing. Yeah. You know, Plus the time it took to read the book. If you, I mean, but I know people who've never if read that, the book. Yeah, people yeah. don't always read the book. Well, you don't, know, you don't always have to read the book. Yeah, like, right. I lear- I've never read a Dungeons & Dragons book. That's absolutely <laughs> like, true. Like, ever. You know, like, shoo. It shows. Uh, oh, my gosh. You know, but, you know, like, I literally sat down at a table, had my, my dungeon master help me make my character, and he just threw me in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and if you have a good dungeon master, um, I would recommend... First of all, if you don't want a huge time commitment, don't play a magic user. You know, there are some little things that you can do. Like, if you play a magic user, you're looking at having to learn a whole other book of spells and things, and, and it can be more complicated than if you were just playing a, a you know, a fighter. Right. Well, even rangers get spells. Right. Like my wife said, you can play ranger too, which is her favorite class. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of would say if you don't have a ton of time to invest, play a, a simpler class. Uh, and then I would also say, read, read the few pages about the yeah. class you're playing, and and then trust your storyteller to, you know, the, your dungeon master to help you out the rest of the time. Right. And if you do that, you can get get away with just just the hours that you're playing. And there's some games like Dungeon World, which the players are only required to read about eight, ten pages tops. Yeah. I was I, I was, was going to wait for Rory to jump in for that. Jump in, Drew. Jump in. There's also a lot of other games. D&D is probably on the, like, higher number of rules, higher rule specificity, um, taking longer to really understand than right. a lot of them. Fifth edition is much better in that regard, in that it's really going very, very well towards the, oh, roll a d20, maybe roll two if you've got advantage or disadvantage, add a modifier, the modifiers are all easily pre-calculated, you're, you're good. Like, that one's, that's about as simple as you can get with D&D, and they still manage to make three very large books, but right. pretty substantial books out of it. Right, but I can't say large books anymore. Not with, yeah. with the current, <laughs> but I, I think with uh, atmosphere with what you're talking about, you're really looking to to play with your with your child, yeah. right? So it's going to be you're going to play what she's playing, yeah. uh, and if that's Dungeons and Dragons, then yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's what that's yeah. what you're looking at. Um, I do think though, coming to conventions and playing, let go to the gaming halls, let other people run Dungeons and Dragons for you both. Uh, and let other yeah, people jump into games. R- let them go run in there other games when the too. game when the tables are open. There's almost always a game that's uh, ready to go. Yeah, and and they'll say you'll just tell them, hey, I'm a, I'm inexperienced. 
I need to play a first level character or something right. like that. And they'll, I mean, they'll have a spot at their table. Yeah, at, at new tables, there's nothing better than having someone go, can someone teach me how to role play? <laughs> like, like game masters will clamor after that. Like, right. oh, gimme, gimme. You know, like, because that's fun. Right. And the cool thing about conventions is, is everybody conventions are kind of a place where where there's recruiting like jo- join our gaming cult you know, like, <laughs> but, but but you know like this is a chance to show share our hobby with people who are unfamiliar with it and so it's a great place to learn to play and like i was saying don't just play dungeons and dragons because uh, even if you never play any of those other games ever again Playing, letting somebody run something different for you is going to teach you more about playing better and storytelling better. And you can learn something from every game. What do you like and dislike? Um, also, do you have a gaming store near you? Like a comic shop? Or where, do you, where do you live? Here. In this convention center? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! That would be amazing! <laughs> you're, you're local to Chattanooga? Yeah. Uh, well, we've got... What's what's the big one that's in... Game Gibson? On is the big one. Yeah, yeah. Game On. Uh, a lot of them will have a weekly or bi-weekly uh, thing called the Adventurers League. It's easy mm-hmm. to jump into, yeah. Which is a uh, pre-structured set of modules that people will run for, I mean, just basically whoever shows up. Um, mm-hmm. Those are very good for getting your feet wet and for getting to meet other people outside of having to go to a convention. Yeah. And, and just kind of... You know, you can tell when people are, uh, I'm about to tell you to, to judge books by their cover, but you know what I mean? Like you can, you can tell good people from bad people when you're at a, a gaming table, you know, and, and bad people is probably a strong word. Cause I don't think you've got necessarily creepers at every table, but you know, I think that if you, there uh, are players that you want your daughter to play with and players you don't want your daughter right. to play and with. And you're going to just like. And that's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's so just like here's anything. the trick. Your gut will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, you go I, in and you get a bad vibe of somebody, just yeah. be aware of that. Right. I've got my, I have a nine-year-old and she is beginning to, to play some things. And she, she played Dungeons and Dragons. And y'all do Dragons. magic nights too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We play magic a little bit. She's not great at magic yet, but. Um, <laughs> she beat okay. you and your brother that yeah, one night. Yeah, we don't, You're we don't not talk great about it. Either. <laughs> <laughs> but she's played Dungeons and Dragons uh, a few times at, um, at Dicehead, which is in the, the, the one in Bradley Square Mall yeah. in yeah. Cleveland. Um, and, and the. You know, there are gaming groups that are more open to, to kids than others. Uh, um, you know, the Chattanooga Library, one of them has a gaming group, too, for kids specifically. I, I can't tell you exactly. I don't remember if it's the downtown or if And it's I don't the, know what the age limit on that right, is. Right, so you might want to look it into that, young, too. I yeah. I, I want to say it cuts off around 14. So. Right. 14 is that age, though, If I mean, where if, if your daughter is a mature 14, she can play with people who are a little older. Yeah. You know, Definitely. that's yeah, that's, that's okay. that transition age. Right. That's okay. Yeah. So, in the broad scheme of gaming, what's the current state of gaming? Is it yes. is it succeeding and thriving? So, oh, so it like is more than ever. Yes. In some ways, we're in a golden age. Dungeons and Dragons has sold more in the last few years the, than the it last, ever has. The last three years, Dungeons and Dragons has has broke sales records for itself. So every year for the last three years, it has sold more product than it has. In its 45-year history. Right. And, and you've got more games out there now that, that there was no space for before. Right. And, and D&D's success is pretty much credited to uh, 
critical role and other sort of and know, our podcast. Our, yeah, it's our podcast. <laughs> Three uh, years, uh, yeah. yeah. Huh? Right. So, but there is a but pod, podcasts and and live streaming have become something that a lot of people do with gaming, and so it's made it a little bit more mainstream and popular. It's and so, less mysterious. right. That's and so, absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah, it's less and, mysterious, and, and so. I mean, it's not becoming as taboo as it used to be because, like, Stranger Things. Right. Yeah, shows like Stranger Things made a big difference. In fact, Stranger Things, uh, oh yeah, they're doing, yeah, yeah, they're doing an adventure module. They played D and D in the beginning of, and a lot of times they refer to things in D and D terms. Right. And and Wizards of the Coast actually is now partnering with with Stranger Things, and they're releasing a Stranger Things adventure module box set that you could pre-order on Amazon. It looks adorable. Yeah. So what's the future hold with artificial intelligence? Well, <laughs> the, big, the big thing going on in, in the it industry like right games. now are the, are the, the leaps in, um, uh, in things like Roll20 and the, the DMs Guild. So uh, the, bi- the two biggest, biggest things we're seeing are, uh, well, I guess there's three, three things. So the first thing is we're seeing lots and lots of independent games. Yes. Uh, and that comes from the fact that just in, it's easy to self-publish now. Anything. If you were to write a novel, it's much easier today for you to self-publish a novel than it was when you and I were, were your daughter's age, right? So that's the first thing is it's enabling people like me to make the gun belt. And so like Drew said, there's Kickstarter, there's drive through RPG, there's a lot of different ways to get products out right. there. So there's a lot of neat, different thoughts uh, about you know how mechanics, game mechanics should work. And so that's the first thing, the first revolution. I think the second revolution that's going on is things like the, the Dungeon Masters Guild. Uh, they call it the Storytellers Vault for the World of Darkness games. But uh, it's these things where base and open game licenses is part of that, uh, where they've they've basically a lot of these companies have have made it so that individual folks can just write their own game modules and and publish them and for these big gaming companies. Right. So so open game licenses is basically they say these mechanics can be used by you to write your own your own game. So you could take a Dun- Dungeons and Dragons mechanics and apply them to a space game if you wanted. Right. And so you if you've heard of Pathfinder Path, there's a game called Pathfinder, which is a spin-off sort of, a loose spin-off of Dungeons and & Dragons, and it actually exists because of the open game license for Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition? 3.5. 3.5. Yeah. They took um, an older version of Dungeons & Dragons and built an entire game around it. Right. Right. Well, you know, older now. Yeah. And... And so uh, it's more complicated than that, right? That's the, the long so, and the short of it. And and then things like the Dungeon Masters Guild on on Drive Through RPG, where uh, I can write a, a module, a campaign for Dungeons and Dragons, put it up there, and sell it. And let's say I sell it for for five bucks. If I sell it to you, Stuart, for five dollars, uh, two dollars and fifty cents of that comes to me, and two dollars and fifty cents of that goes to Wizards of the Coast. And so so that's like super cool, right? And it it builds. Uh, you know, I'm I'm more committed to Dungeons and Dragons now because I've wrote something and I make two fifty for it every time someone buys it, and that builds momentum. Uh, and then the last thing I think that's really changing is is the culture around it, which yes. is what I think Marty was starting to get at is that it's it's showing up in all these places, and so it's a lot more acceptable to be happening. And so uh, it's it's not you don't get beat up for being a geek anymore. 
Right. Right. <laughs> and so the other piece to Dungeons and Dragons most successful years comes from uh, they are now almost a 50 percent female player. base. Yeah. yeah. And that's crazy awesome. You know, like I, it, the only the only women at a table when I was younger, it was the, the girlfriend. Me. It was the <laughs> girlfriend. Nobody wanted to be there. Somebody right? has to play the cleric, Ryan. And now they're running. <laughs> right? And now they're running games. Right. And, and it's super awesome. So. Um, and I think uh, there's some technology advances happening. Like Roll Twenty is super cool, um, where it's it's a way to like uh, people didn't used to play Dungeons and Dragons over distance. Right? No, you couldn't. You well, couldn't you play by mail. It, but it was, was really hard. Yeah, no. Right. Uh, but people like didn't. now you've got Twitch. Yeah. I've, uh, I've or some. Twitch and Skype, and and you know you can live stream on Facebook if you've only got one person who's not remote or who's not local. Um, Roll20 has built entire software around it uh, where you can upload your dungeons and, and move miniatures on the little graphics and things. I mean, it, it can get really fancy mm-hmm. if you want it to. That's fun. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the... And, you know, for there's these live-action role-playing games, too, that are starting to use things like VR helmets to give you an augmented reality... Right. So that, like, you're wandering around in a place like this, but it might look like a cyberpunk city or a fantasy realm. Right. And that's just now starting to emerge, and you're seeing uh, games starting to be designed around it. Uh, yeah. But it's coming. I think it's going to be... I don't know that it's going to eclipse LARP as we play it, live-action role-playing as we play it, but it's going to become an important segment as that stuff gets cheaper and right. cheaper. Like, we have a friend, Tara, who runs... Di- she calls them digital live-action role-playing games. So, di- digital digital LARPs. Yeah, Marty, yeah. Marty played in one. And so and so she's doing things like uh, all, all five or six players will, will be all across the U.S., and they're all playing over their video screens through, you know, Skype or, or some other format. And... Yeah, Google Wait, Hangouts. Same principle. And yeah. so, and and maybe the story she's running is is you are six people, and each of you is manning a, a space satellite, you know, a different one. And so the six of you are all communicating over your over video over video to one another about some sort of crisis going on, you know, ready play, <laughs> right? And I think and, the one Marty played in. You wake up after something has turned you into a supernatural. No, no, no you didn't play in that when you played in a different one. I, I, the one that I was in, you, you each got to be like I was. Uh, I became the tooth fairy. Right. Uh, you, it was fey based. You can be so what basically. Was, what was the medium of communication supposed to be? The, okay, uh, we were meeting to decide the future of humanity. But how were you meeting? Um, what was the what was the video conferencing in game? I think we were. All, I, I you don't remember. remember. It's okay. no big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuart just kicked his daughter out. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here! I assisted the podcast. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> Brandon's a talker. He. It's okay. We. I'm glad they found each other. <laughs> yes. He's a cool because, dude. Because like I got to. I mean, we basically, I was kind of playing a, a, a really good person, and... So it was, it was role play. But that's not role playing. So you got to have a LARP-like experience, but exactly. it was over a, uh, a digital medium. And I got to, yeah, I got to stay at home, and, you know, you could pause, sort of, and, like, if my son, I have a son, if he, if he needed something, I could go, okay, hold on, and it would really break the whole scene. Right. And it was really awesome to play with people that were all, all over the world that met for that short. And I, I'll never probably see them again. 
fun. Right. That's cool. So I have a question. Yeah. Have you ever had, I'm going to use the word spiritual, but I mean an outer body, like has your gaming got so good and so real that the group transcended and had like a conscious experience? That's the goal. <laughs> That's, they, that's they, what I shoot for when I'm playing. Loose, like different people play for different reasons. Loosely though. speaking, the the game theory term for that is immersion, uh, where you are so fully immersed in the experience that you you feel like you are. Your mind the, doesn't know the difference between perception and right. So let me let me tell you about an experience I had. Uh, oh, jeez, here we go. This is a, I've told this <laughs> before, and I like to tell it because it's really good. One of my better experiences. What was it, like four years ago you ran your Wild West game? Yeah. Okay. About four years ago, he ran a game that set in a supernatural Wild West. And I was playing the mayor of this city. And when I started playing the game, it was my intention to play it what we would call kind of gamist. Like I had some mechanics I was going to use. I was going to try to win by manipulating events in a certain way. But... He was going to use the mechanics of the game to benefit his character. Yes. Is what, what he's basically saying. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. And you were going to cheat. No, no, no I was cheating. never going to cheat. That's different. That's, no. ugh. Anyway, but what happened is, is that Carrie's character was introduced as this young girl, and I started role-playing with her, and I'm like, well, I don't, I have no interest in this young girl. She's, what were you, like 12? No, I was like 14. 14, you were 14, and... Then, at some point, I remembered that in my past, my character had had an affair 14 years ago. It was, uh, it was in his history. He had, yeah. all the, everybody playing the game had to write a, sh- a little paragraph history of their characters. So for the rest of the game, I thought, this, is, this could be the daughter of my illicit, and in that setting, illegal romance that I yeah. had. And I can't let anybody find out about it because I could even be killed. And you couldn't ask if it was true. I could not ask if it was true either because that would have faced that what, same What was of... so funny, though, is I got a phone call. It was about 1030 at night, like on a Tuesday. Right. So it was not – we weren't gaming, nothing. I get a phone call from Jason, and he goes, I just figured it out. <laughs> and I went, I was figured at work. what out? I was at work, and I was like <laughs> just kind of thinking about game. And then it hit me that the, the ages lined up. And then for the rest of the game, it was a very immersive experience. I never again thought of the mechanics at all. I and always played, thought of my character so my and what he would do. That you were in love with her. Some people thought that I was being a creeper in game because I was suddenly you, paying attention to this fourteen-year-old. And you kept like all the offering time. me like food and clothes <laughs> and stuff. So suddenly, instead of a person that I'm ignoring right. and like pushing away because they have nothing to do with my plans. And this has become the center of my attention. Build that, and it yes. Made it possible right. Without you even right. Yeah. Right. That's the beauty of a really well-run uh, game is you can have moments that are, while they might be outlined, they're not scripted. Like so, that was there for me to find, for us to find. So it's almost. I'm going to get out there a little bit. So sure. It's almost like chaos theory or sacred geometry or just you know order in the chaos. Things can come out of it if you. Oh. Yeah. If you go far enough... If you leave yourself open to an experience, then you can have an experience. Right. For example, like in market trading, Fibonacci numbers come into play. Yeah. You see cool. what right. I'm saying? They probably come into gaming also. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't study math enough. <laughs> Drew, what were you going to try to What the hell say? is a Fibonacci? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a particular sequence. The number spiral. 
take the previous two numbers in the sequence and add them together, and that's the next number. Okay. You know that one, spiral? One, two, yes. Drew's okay. an art. Yes, yes, yes. She's an art person. You just got to say that art spiral. Just saying, oh, <laughs> by getting something into motion, it might... Mm-hmm. Steamroll. Yeah. Without yes. you creating Yes, thing. absolutely. That happens all the time. There's been a million times where I've come home and went, oh, this all lines up. Wait. Right. You know, like, plots, some, plots a lot of times happen without anyone actually puppeteering it. And it takes both willing players and willing storytellers or dungeon masters. Um, like, if you think about... One of the things we talked about last night at the panel last night was... Uh, Last night at the panel last night. At the panel last right. night last night. Uh, one of the things Normally that we, we talked about... Ryan to make him sound really smart. Right. Uh, one of the things that, that they were talking about though, during that panel was this idea that uh, if, if your players come up with a reason that the bad things in your game are happening, that's actually more creative and better than what you came up with as the storyteller, then just let that be the truth, right? And that's the kind of flexibility that... that allows that sort of immersion to happen is that willingness to um to let the game go a little bit where the game kind of wants to go you know a really good game can pull itself or almost organically in in directions and you have to be willing to allow that um one of the worst things i think that storytellers can do is is get into this mindset of i have a story to tell and it must be this. A to B to C to D. Right? Okay. It's fine to yeah, start that way. You know, like when you dream up, what am I going to run for folks? You can create what that story is. But if you get to B or C and your players are pushing towards X instead of D. Then go that way. Then let it go that way. Don't, don't be afraid. To, you can go back to D later. Right? You have a week between now and the next time you play. You can figure it out. You know, just say yes and and let it go. Let it go where it's going to go. That that yes and um, is probably one of the, the. In my mind, there have been two really not like mechanical, but kind of big cultural changes around how gaming is executed. I guess might be the mm-hmm. best yes, way yeah, to like that. phrase it. Um, in because like in the from. From the 70s to, like, the early 90s, it was very... Modules were the primary way that people played, and modules are very railroady. Like, you will do this scene, and then there will be this text that you will read from this book yeah. pre-printed, and then right. there will be another scene, and the players have almost no agency. They're just along for the ride. And that's also the era where Dungeon Masters and Storytellers were they were in charge of the game. Period. And they, they decided were, what would well, happen. It was their game. It was, it was not collaborative. It was, it was an outgrowth of when I mean Gygax originally had an idea of like competitive role playing of like the modules were meant to be played competitively between different groups at conventions. Right. Well people I've forget that Dungeons and Dragons was invented too. to be a a Miniature war game. It was a it was a war game simulator. Sure. It wasn't actually a role playing. Well, chainmail, and then right. Dungeon Dragons goes out from it. Yeah. So what? And the what he's talking about? They now refer to as as OSG or OSR. It stands for old school gaming or old school renaissance because there are still people who enjoy that kind of game. Um, you know, it, again, it's that thing. Play, play the way you have fun yeah. playing. Uh, but sometime. Sometime in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a cultural shift in gaming, and now it's collaborative. So there's a lot of games out now. There, There's two big systems, I think, that embrace this, the most popular ones. Fate, 
in which sometimes you sit down and you don't even know what kind of game you're going to run. And then there's uh, these games that are following the umbrella of Powered by the Apocalypse. And they're all about you as the storyteller are playing the world, but most of the time the decisions that the players make are more important than the stuff that you've written down. It's almost like a move It's where improvisation as opposed yes. to... You're less uh, the storyteller and more of a facilitator. Yes. yes. You enable their play. You don't right. define it. And, and this is one of those things where you, you play what you like. You know, yes. like, I could never, I would have a lot of trouble running a fate game uh, because for me, as a, as a creative person, uh, I like to, I, you know, I'm one of those guys, I have a story to tell, I want to tell that story, but I'm also willing to tell that story with my players, and, and if that changes my story, I'm, I love that. Uh, but, but because I'm a creative uh, I, in in that sense, it's hard for me to sit down with the abstractness of of fate and just go, everybody, what game do you want to play today, right? Because that doesn't speak to me. Isn't but that I can the beauty play... of modern gaming, though, is that we right. have every one of those things. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I can I can play a fate game and love it, but I can't run it. Like you can, <laughs> we can all sit down and play Dungeon Crawl Classics, then walk across the room and go play a fate game in which nobody knows what's going to happen before we start. Right, and it's uh, it's beautiful. It's it's uh, the golden age to me. Yeah, and all these independent games are bringing in you know these these uh, inclusivity and and diversity yeah. and yeah. and things that are are also very exciting. Um, and all of games like Harlem Unbound that are taking old games that weren't by definition very inclusive. Not they didn't they weren't written to not be inclusive. But it because they come from literature that is not very right. Yeah. Har- Harlem Unbound is based on Lovecraft's Cthulhu work, right? And, and Lovecraft is kind of famous for for being racist. <laughs> He's not kind of famous. He is. You're not really racism. famous, more infamous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and Harlem Unbound is uh, takes place during the Harlem Renaissance uh, and in Harlem. And so, in that game, one of one of the things it's won awards for and is, is so recognized for is this idea that um, in in a classic Dungeons and Dragons game, when you walk up to the bartender, the assumption is it's a white human, Maybe. right? And that's and if and if it, or or it's a white yeah, typically it's a white human. It's usually a white human uh, man, and and you just assume that unless the storyteller or dungeon master says the bartender's there, he's an orc. And right. that's a, a broader cultural issue. Right. That's not specific but to Dungeons & Dragons or anything. What Chris has done with Harlem Unbound is he said, unless I tell you otherwise, it's a black person. And you're because playing you're a black Because you're in Harlem in, the, in, in that time period. It's brilliant. And it yeah. sounds it, like such a small thing, but when you sit down and play the game, it feels groundbreaking. Because suddenly, oh, I'm playing a person in Harlem, and that means I'm not a black person. I'm a person. They're a white person. And that's I got, totally different. Right. I, I got to sit and watch a game that Chris ran of it. I got to play and, it. And it was Jason great. was playing. <laughs> um, and what was fascinating was even the people of color around the table kept questioning him. Wait, this guy's black? And Chris kept going, yes, everyone is black. <laughs> Stop asking me that. Stop if it's asking. a white person, I'll tell you. Yeah, like, I, you know, and like, but like, and you- everyone has a hard time grasping that because we've been so trained by society to assume that it's a white guy. Yeah, you know, and it's awesome. And then you layer that on top of the fact that it's a great game in a mm. great setting, and he's done historical research so that, I mean, what's what's the library that it's in now? Oh, yeah, it's in the... 
no, it's in. It's not in a library. No, it's yeah, in, it's in a it's, museum. Yeah, somewhere. the Metropolitan Museum of the Art of Art added it to its permanent collection uh, because of what it did, and it won like a role playing game. Three, like how three gold Emmys, <laughs> and you know, it's beautiful. I mean, the art inside oh, so is yeah, it's a super stunning. Cool book. So, and what's I bought a copy just to look at. They're about to do a <laughs> second edition on it. Right? It's about to come out. So, so that's awesome. So we have to get on the Kickstarter for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So, any, anything else? <laughs> so, let's follow up on the yes and. Yeah. I recently saw a YouTube video. I want to talk about a tangent for a second. There's this comedian named Theo Vaughn. Okay. And he's just very endearing. He tells these crazy stories, and you just fall in love with the guy. One reason why is if you're sitting there monologuing, he'll say yes and, and, and say an insane statement that you can't help but say, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And the follow-up is vast. Right. And I can see that from a gaming perspective that I throw the mo- monkey wrench in at any moment and then the group just explodes. Right. Well, yes and is an improv tool. Like when, when you're doing improv, you're never supposed to say no. You're, you're, always, supposed to, you're always supposed to give the person something back. Right. Um, and in gaming... Uh, you know, like that's become a big thing. Is you go yes and like you never tell the person no. You don't take right. it away. Um, or or you say or you yeah. do the 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 sort of gaming sidekick to yes and is no but. Yeah. You know, no, so you can't do this. But you could. This, do this does happen instead, or what? You can do this similar thing. Because there are. The or thing you about, can do it if you do X, Y, and Z. The thing about gaming is there are times you have to tell your players no. It, it is it's Im- healthy. It is an important tool. You have to say no sometimes, but <laughs> say no, but because then you're you're still providing them options, and you're not just saying no. You can't take an action here. Here is an example: If you were playing Dungeons and Dragons, and someone was playing a fighter, and they said, "I want my fighter to be able to fly," and you're like, "There's no power that your fighter has that would allow him to do that," so you cannot do that. But however, however. There's some magic items out there that let you fly. Maybe your, you could go on a quest to look for one. Now I've made more story. Your wizard might be able to find that spell. That he can cast on you, and because you'll do this special thing, we'll let it last forever. And so, so now you can fly all the time. So you're saying, nope, you can't do that, but I'm going to empower you to explore options. To have a plot. Right, to so have now instead play, of making less story, we've made to, more. You know, and even if you don't succeed in that plot, you just had five sessions of really amazing role play, and now you don't care if you actually can because you... You got to try to. You got to kill the dragon and save the princess on the way or whatever it is your group was doing. You know, like, it's sometimes being told no is the better story. You know, I've read uh, about how that people should design modules by creating obstacles and then letting the players give you the goals. Like, (laughs) what is it that your character wants to do? Okay, well, it's a good thing. So I've designed this orc fight and this dragon fight and these goblins <laughs> that are going to try to rob you. Uh, and why that, do these things happen? Why do the like? No, you don't even have to tell them that. Like, what are you trying to do? Okay, I've designed the things that are going to happen. I don't have to design why you're going to do them. Right. Um, That's super cool. Kind of a, a corollary to the no is healthy. Um, the uh, have you have you all read Nobelese? I did a long time ago. I can't tell you anything about it. I haven't because I am not cultured. Yeah. That's, fair. That's true. He's read Dungeons and Dragons and White Wolf stuff. That's and I've not run Dungeons and, read Dungeons and Dragons. We've um, already gone over that. There was a part in it that's called the Minardo Rule, where the game runner specifically not... So in Nobelese, you're playing personifications of aspects of reality. 
It's right. Like, it's Sandman the RPG. Sure. Um, so as these personifications of reality, your characters are capable of these vast feats, and it's like there's almost nothing that is literally impossible for them. They're just amounts of... What? What is happening? They're just letting me know how long we got. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll go fast. Anyway, <laughs> they're capable of doing a lot of big things that are way out of the scale of other games that were being published at the time. So the Bernardo rule was, you can't say no, but you can ask how. I like that. Yeah. Right. So, so you tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if the player's like, well, I don't know, then you go, okay, well, let's... If a, you don't know, I don't know. <laughs> All right. There's a little bit of that in Power by the Apocalypse games. There's I'm trying to do this thing. Okay, well, here's what you've got to work with. You yeah. tell me how you make that happen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is, uh, that's the end of our time. So. is over! <laughs> so I want to take a moment, and I know this is regularly your thing, but I want to award... Drew one XP for being the first person to show up. Oh, there you go. Nice. Okay, so go ahead. <laughs> oh well, uh, Carrie, would you like to give Stuart some XP? Um, I'm gonna give Stuart uh, five XP for being a parent, bringing his kid into you know yeah, dealing with gaming because cool. that is. And awesome. then I want to award them two XP for having that kid leave when <laughs> <laughs> they realize that she, she wasn't was paying talking. attention. <laughs> you know, you know what? Let me tell you the, my favorite part about about your. Uh, your daughter getting involved in in gaming is how you want to be involved in yes. getting her involved. As a parent, I love the fact that you're just not dropping her off at a gaming store and hoping everyone there is is good. Like I love that you care enough that like you're like I'll play some too if if that's what I need to do. I love that you want to make sure that she's getting involved in a healthy, safe way, and that's uh, she's gonna be fine. It's the same yeah. reason why I'm having to watch some shitty YouTube videos about terrible games now with my son. <laughs> so you can see. Just, so you can see. Yeah. Right. If so I, I hear tell one more thing about to Dan T. Whatever his name is. Ugh. Right. and opinions expressed on the Honor Roll podcast belong to just those who are here on the podcast and nobody else. All of the music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com.